well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards, and I'm glad you joined the program today. We're going to be taking a look at uh, some of the polling for Joe Biden when it comes to uh, Afghanistan, because uh, shockingly, Americans are uh, not quite as supportive of uh, pulling out of Afghanistan now that uh, it has turned into a gigantic cluster fark. Uh, on the part of the Biden administration, yeah, this is really interesting. Uh, my colleague, uh, Ala Pundit, over at Hot Air, uh, noting a couple of polls for Joe Biden. And the, the reason why we're talking about this is because I think this actually bears uh, a, 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 some uh, semblance to a uh, problem that Joe Biden is going to face with his gun control agenda. And that is Americans generally uh, may be supportive of something in theory, but when that theory turns into reality, all of a sudden, uh, support can become non-existent, or at least uh, an issue can become much more divisive. Uh, and I'm thinking in particular about uh, the polling that we've seen regarding things like universal background checks, for instance. But let's take a look at the the polling on Afghanistan just over the past couple of days, uh, because there are two new polls out showing that uh, support for withdrawal uh, is basically collapsing. Uh, Morning Consult ran a poll Friday through Monday, so this is over the weekend, uh, and here what the numbers show. Not good news. Uh, voters were asked if they believe the U.S. should or should not still withdraw its military presence in Afghanistan. If it means that the Taliban regains control of most of Afghanistan, you see there uh, 38% of voters say, yep, we should still withdraw. 45% say no. 17% undecided. Now, a uh, Plurality of Democrats say, yes, we should still withdraw. 49%. Uh, 18% of Democrats saying, uh, no, 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 we shouldn't. Or I, I actually saying, I don't know. And 33% saying, you know, we should stay. Uh, among Republicans, 28% say that uh, we should still withdraw our military presence, even if it means the Taliban takes over. 59% says we should not. By the way, this is kind of a moot point uh, at the moment here. And then they asked the question, well, what if it would create an opening for al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups to establish operations? And you see the numbers drop even more in terms of support for withdrawal. Uh, just 35% of respondents overall saying that they would still support withdrawal if it meant that al-Qaeda uh, would have a new home to establish operations. 48% opposed. Among Democrats, 44% say, yeah, we should still withdraw. 36% say, uh, nah, nah, we, we, we should stay put. Uh, among Republicans, 62% say that uh, if al-Qaeda is going to have a, a new foothold in Afghanistan, that we should keep a presence there on the ground. 25% say uh, we should still pull out. Just uh, one in five Republicans. Among independents, one in three say we should still stay uh, withdrawn. Uh, 45% say that uh, now we should maintain some sort of presence in Afghanistan, which, by the way, is going to be very difficult to do. Uh, now that basically the only spot of ground where you can find U.S. troops in Afghanistan is uh, at the Kabul airport. Uh, everywhere else, including Bagram Air Base, which would have been great to, uh, you know, get folks out of the uh, country. Yeah, that, that's been ceded uh, to the Taliban weeks ago. Now, that was one poll. That was a morning consult poll. But uh, Alapunan also points out a, a new poll from Trafalgar Group. Uh, and this is even worse news for uh, Joe Biden. What best describes how you feel about how President Biden is handling U.S. military operations in Afghanistan? And you see there, 
59.5% say they strongly disapprove of what the uh, president is doing, how they handle it. Another almost 10% say they uh, just disapprove. Only 12.4% say they uh, approve. Just uh, a hair under 11% say they strongly approve what the president's doing here. So you're looking at, uh, you know, 70% disapproval almost uh, for what the president is doing in Afghanistan. And again, this was popular just a couple of months ago. That's not what the polls showed just a couple of months ago, which I think is one of the reasons, uh, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why Biden felt comfortable uh, proceeding with his withdrawal, even though there clearly was not much of a backup plan if things started to go south. So again, how does this apply to the gun control debate? Well, again, what, what, what's, a, what's a gun control issue that generally polls well? I would say universal background checks is probably the one that, that polls the best. You can routinely find polls showing you know 80%, maybe even 90% approval. Uh, for the idea of requiring background checks for all gun sales. But what would that support actually look like if people started thinking about, okay, well, how is this going to be enforced? What type of criminal penalties are going to apply? Then I think those numbers start going down. As a matter of fact, we've, we've got evidence of this. In 2016, Two states had ballot referendums for universal background checks, the state of Nevada and the state of Maine. Now, if the public polling on universal background checks was anywhere close to being accurate, both of those measures would have passed by roughly 80 to 90%, right? That's not what happened. In Nevada, the universal background check bill squeaked by 50.1 to 49.9%. I mean, it, it passed, barely. And it couldn't go into effect, by the way, because the backers of that universal background check measure lied to voters about how this was going to work. And they said, well, uh, yeah, you know, the FBI is just going to do all these background checks. And the FBI said, no, we're not. You, 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 no, we're, we're not, actually. You conduct your own background checks there in Nevada. So, uh, no, we're not going to be doing this. So they had to go and they had to rewrite the law. Now, they've done so. And universal background checks are the law in the state of Nevada, not that it's uh, improved their crime rate at all. But it did squeak by 50.1 to 49.9, not 80% approval. In Maine, it was even worse for the gun control activists because that universal background check measure went down to defeat 52 to 48. So a majority of voters in Maine said no to universal background checks, despite the fact that Michael Bloomberg, and other gun control groups poured in millions of dollars uh, back in that measure in terms of advertising. I mean, you couldn't avoid the ads in Maine. You got on Facebook, you drove down the road, you, you turned on your TV, you saw an ad saying, oh, this is common sense, common sense gun safety. But when people really started thinking about what this would entail, including putting people in prison or charging them with criminal offenses if they sold a gun to their neighbor without driving 30 or 40 miles to put them through a background check, people realized, okay, this is crazy. This actually isn't what we thought that this was. And I think that that's really important. Uh, you know, the, the average American voter, and I consider myself to be a fairly average American voter, so I'm not slamming anybody. If I am, I'm including myself in this. But the average American voter is not an expert 
on every subject that comes up in the news cycle. They are not an expert in foreign policy or domestic policy or any particular policy. They're, they're, they're average. They kind of pay attention to what's going on in the news. They like to think that they're informed, but, uh, you know, they, they don't have a postdoctorate uh, degree in every one of these issues that comes up. So I don't think that in many cases we think too deeply about these issues. And I also don't think that the polling that is typically done on an issue encourages us to think too deeply. For instance, let's go back to Afghanistan. The polling that was done six months ago, do you support a a U.S. pullout of troops in Afghanistan? All right, you know what? You're going to find majority support for that. But what would have changed? Would there have been a change if there had been some follow-up questions? Or if the questions had even been phrased differently? Alapunit notes, for instance, that since 2014, uh, in Afghanistan, the number of U.S. troops that have died about 150, not not per year, not per month, not per week, but total since 2014, about 150 service members in the United States have died in Afghanistan. Now, that is, all things considered, in a combat theater, a very low casualty rate. How many Americans do you think were aware of that? That the casualties over the past seven years have totaled 150. And actually about 50 of those came in 2014. Since 2015, there have been a total of about 100 American service members who've been killed in Afghanistan. If we knew that the number was that low, if more Americans knew that the number was that low, do you think that that would have changed attitudes on pulling out? What if you added in the knowledge? What if the question was phrased since 2015, 100 uh, 100 U.S. service members have been killed in Afghanistan? During that same time period, approximately 55,000 Afghan troops have died fighting the Taliban. Do you support or oppose pulling out U.S. military assets from Afghanistan? Again, I I don't know that the numbers would have changed exponentially, but I suspect that we would have seen some difference. Some Americans saying, oh, wait a second. 55,000 Afghans have died. 150 U.S. soldiers have died. All right, well, clearly there's still fighting going on, but the Afghan army appears to be doing the bulk of it. So what exactly are we doing there? And then we could have said, well, you know, intelligence is a big part of it. Air support's another big part of it. I, I think that a lot of the polling that was done pre-pullout in Afghanistan was very um, surface level. Didn't really delve into some of the, I think, important facts on the ground. That may or may not have changed Americans' mind, but I suspect would have had an influence on at least some people's opinions. And again, I think this holds true when it comes to gun control as well. Do you think that a background check should be required in every uh, gun transfer in the country? Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Do you think people should go to prison for selling a gun to their neighbor without putting them through a background check? Uh, I don't know about that. Do you think people should go to prison for selling a gun to their best friend of 20 years without putting them through a background check? Well, no, I mean, that's kind of silly, right? You start asking some specific questions, and you may get very different results. So 
Will this change Joe Biden's desire to impose gun control on the American people? No, I don't think so. I think the president has shown that um, polling really doesn't matter to him. Uh, any more than the legal opinions of his advisors seem to matter. If the legal experts say, hey, Joe, this is probably unconstitutional, what does Biden say? Well, let's uh, run up the flagpole and see if it sticks. Maybe the courts will let us get away with it. If not, buys us some time. Right? Uh, you know, uh, Joe, the American people aren't really going to be uh, too thrilled if Afghanistan collapses in like a week. Meh. Been there for 20 years. Time to get out. I'll just point the finger at, you know, Donald Trump and the Afghan army and the Afghan people. Everybody but me. Well, I'll say the buck stops here. Let's see if that works. I mean, Biden is the sad thing is, I think a lot of Americans voted for Biden thinking that they were going to get an elder statesman. And they just got an elderly guy. Uh, I don't think he's a statesman. He's a politician. He's been a politician for half a century. And that's not going to change. I don't even think he's a great politician. But he is a politician. And he views everything through a political lens. And so from that perspective, uh, I don't think that uh, Biden is going to change his attitude or his agenda when it comes to going after our right to keep and bear arms. As long as he has his gun control allies on his side, and I, I think for now he does. As a matter of fact, you know, given the um, disappointing to Biden poll results regarding Afghanistan, given the number of Democrats who are now speaking out against the administration, Biden may actually want to bring his allies a little bit closer in to the circle than they have previously been. So I think that Biden does lose political capital with his debacle in Afghanistan. But most of his gun control agenda right now that he's trying to enact, he's trying to do so via executive orders, right? He, he can't get his gun ban bill through Congress. Now, maybe this impacts the David Chipman nomination. And maybe it actually, you know, completely puts it on ice. I don't think it makes it any easier to get David Chipman confirmed. But again, I, I, I just don't see, despite what I just said about the polling. And again, I think this would be another mistake for the Biden administration if they did this. But the Biden administration has made a lot of mistakes, haven't they? So why wouldn't they continue to make more? And why wouldn't they make mistakes when it comes to going after our right to keep and bear arms? Doing something that might appear to be popular in theory, but will end up being very unpopular in reality. I wish that I could say that I thought Biden was uh, smart enough uh, and malleable enough to, uh, to learn from his mistakes, but I, I just don't see it. I think that... Um, Despite the loss of political capital, despite the fact that these gun control proposals are not as popular in reality as gun control activists claim that they are in polling, despite all of the very good reasons for Joe Biden to say, maybe I need to uh, back off of this uh, push for a backdoor gun ban, I still see him moving forward with it. We have the uh, close of the public comment period, the first public comment period for these proposed rules from DOJ and ATF dealing with uh, redefining unfinished frames and receivers, dealing with redefining the term readily, as in readily converted. That public comment period closes on Thursday. And I suspect that despite the overwhelming public opposition to this proposal, Biden is going to move forward with plans to implement it. All he has to do is look at the polling on Afghanistan and know that that's a mistake. But uh, I think it's a mistake that Joe Biden and the Biden administration 
and his anti-gun allies are fully prepared to make. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will start there. Story out of a Michigan motive evolving in a uh, fatal shooting in Farmington Hills. The uh, suspect in this case, still at large, suspect also, by the way, uh, known to law enforcement because, um, well, he's been arrested before. Actually, he's on probation at this current time. Uh, Dewan White was the individual who was uh, shot and killed. Uh, apparently, the gunshot came from outside of his home. And uh, a King, or excuse me, Dewan White uh, was uh, murdered there uh, in his own residence. Died from his injuries after being transported to an area hospital. Uh, the suspect in this case, 43-year-old Kevin Curtis Moore. They also believe, by the way, that Moore is uh, connected to the non-fatal shooting of his girlfriend that happened in Detroit about an hour before the uh, homicide in Farmington Hills. According to the Daily Tribune newspaper, Moore is currently on probation for assault and battery out of Washtenaw County. One wonders if Mr. Moore might uh, not be on the run if he had actually been kept behind bars for that assault and battery charge rather than being granted probation. I uh, wish we had more information about this. Again, suspect still on the loose, considered armed and dangerous. Facing a uh, charge of, uh, well, at least one charge of murder, possibly two. And um, again, all indications are this guy should not have been on the street to begin with. Not when he was convicted of a violent crime and given probation as a result. Today's armed citizen story. Going to stick with the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia. That's where uh, yesterday's armed citizen story was from. This one, uh, not from Richmond, but from uh, Norfolk, Virginia, where a uh, 7-Eleven clerk shot and killed a would-be robber in uh, Norfolk. This was uh, overnight, I believe, uh, in Norfolk on uh, Monday evening, uh, Sunday night, excuse me. It was just around uh, midnight. Officers uh, found 28-year-old Javier Garcia suffering from a life-threatening gunshot wound. Investigators say that a clerk shot Garcia while he was trying to rob the store. Police haven't shared the clerk's name as a crime victim. Uh, they may choose not to reveal that uh, clerk's name. Garcia taken to a hospital where he later died from his injuries. Police are continuing to investigate, but at this point, sure sounds like a uh, case of armed self-defense. We'll keep our eyes on uh, any new developments that might pop up here. And finally today, our good deed of the day. Generally, when we talk about our good deed of the day, we're talking about, and it's not always confined to, to law enforcement, but generally it's a first responder who's in the right place at the right time, willing able to do the right thing. Today, we're talking about a community that has come to the aid of a first responder, a community that is trying to do the right thing for a Rhode Island state trooper and his family who lost basically everything they had uh, in a house fire. They lost their entire home. Lawrence Scott, who's a state trooper, his wife, Kate, the couple's two children, the two family dogs, all left without a home following a, a mid-afternoon fire on Thursday that uh, started in the kitchen of the uh, family's home. Lawrence Scott previously served as a, a Charleston police officer. He was home sleeping after working a night shift when the fire began. And in the aftermath of that fire, 
Scott was able to escape with the uh, dogs uninjured, the rest of his family not home, so, so nobody was hurt. But again, everything that they had, literally up in smoke, they had to get everything from toothbrushes, deodorant, underwear from the uh, local Red Cross. Ashley uh, Jockman organized a, a GoFundMe page. She said, well, thankfully, the family's all safe. They've lost everything in the fire. We're asking for help and support for this family as they navigate the difficult days, weeks, and months to follow. As of uh, 3 p.m. Monday, 582 donations, totaling more than $65,000. I just checked, and uh, it's now up to almost $68,000 as of the time of this broadcast. They were trying to raise $50,000, so they've met that goal, uh, and then some. But what a uh, fantastic and overwhelming response uh, from the uh, community there to the Scott family. Uh, Left homeless and uh, nearly possessionless, it sounds, after that uh, house fire. But uh, their community, their neighbors, family, friends coming together to uh, show their support for that uh, family in need. And we thank those folks for their uh, very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I appreciate you joining us on the program. I also appreciate uh, the support of all of our VIP members at Bearing Arms. You can become one yourself. All you got to do, go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS and you can get 25% off of your VIP membership. Not only will you be supporting programs like this each and every day, but uh, you will also get access to exclusive analysis commentary, news stories, and more. And we certainly, again, appreciate uh, each and every one of you who are VIP members. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information, but don't forget to check out BarionArms.com throughout the day for even more stories that you should know about when it comes to your right to keep and bear arms. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free. <laughs>